All right. So uh, let's just look again on the map where we are today. So today, so again, this is Israel. It goes from the Negev, Kadesh Barnea we talked about last time. Uh, this was just before they came into the land. This is the bottom of the Dead Sea. So this is Beersheba where Abraham had uh, spent a lot of his time. Isaac spent some of his time there as well, as well as in Gerar. And uh, um, uh, if you were to drive today from Beersheba to Beth to Jerusalem, I've done that drive several times, Beersheba to Jerusalem, it's somewhere around about an hour and a half drive, something like that. So it's, you know, that just kind of gives you a perspective. This is, this is a good way apart across that country, but it's nothing like Texas standards. And, and, uh, um, and then, and then uh, uh, we had talked about Shechem up here and Bethel, but right now we're, we're focusing in on Hebron. If you were to drive from Jerusalem to Hebron, it's about a 40-minute drive, something like that, uh, between Jerusalem and Hebron. And, uh, uh, and I guess that, that's kind of including the, um, the, the stops that are involved because of the checkpoints. Uh, Hebron right now is primarily under Palestinian domain. Uh, uh, Palestinian, I mean, Israel, the country, controls everything, but they've given over Hebron to the Palestinians. It's a very small part of Hebron, which is, which is the grave of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their wives, except for Rachel. And uh, uh, they, that, that, that little area is a, is a little islet that, that is, is still retained and controlled by Israel. Although the, that both Muslims and Jews can visit that same grave, and it's kind of separated by a, a bulletproof screen right now. And it's bulletproof because a few years ago, uh, uh, an Israeli zealot uh, uh, fired some shots into the, the Palestinian side. Uh, a lot of shots, actually. Anyway, so there's the map, and uh, let's look at these ages again. Some of this we covered before. Some of it is going to be new. Jacob returns to Canaan when he's 97. So remember, Jacob went up to Paddan Aram uh, to get a wife at the age of 77. Uh, he returned at the age of 97. Isaac is 157 at this point when, when, when uh, Jacob returns to the land. Uh, so Jacob spent Jacob and Isaac spend 23 years living close to each other. Jacob spends eight or nine years living just outside Shechem, about two years in Bethel, sometimes called Sukkoth, and then about 12 years in Hebron. He's very close now to his father, just living very close there. Isaac witnesses his sons Jacob's grief at the loss of Jacob's son Joseph when Joseph was 17, and that's what we're going to cover today. So Joseph knows his grandfather Isaac for several years before he's sold into Egypt. Isaac dies at the age of 180, about the time that Joseph's going to be promoted to the second highest position in all of Egypt. Isaac dies about 10 years before Jacob will move to Egypt at the invitation of Joseph. Jacob and Esau are, around, are, are 120 when their father Isaac dies, that we've already covered. Jacob will be 120 at Joseph's elevation to the second in Egypt. Jacob will be 130 when he moves to be with Joseph in Egypt. And Joseph left Paddan Aram, that's his father-in-law Aben, when he was six. So the son of Jacob is Joseph. Joseph is six years old when they leave Paddan Aram. It's, and so in chapter 37, which we're going to cover today, Joseph is 17 years old in chapter 37. 
So it's 11 years since he left Paddan Aram with his family. So 11 and 6 is 17. So the scriptures just say 17 years old. From that, you, you can peg exactly where we are in the history of all of these things because Moses has told us all the other ages and how it relates. And so once he says one person's age, you got everybody's. You can do the arithmetic. So he's 11 years out. Uh, they have just moved into Hebron that this past year. Uh, Benjamin, the youngest brother, this, the, the, uh, the one who, when he was born, Rachel died in childbirth, giving birth to him. He's now 11. Reuben, the oldest, is 24. And all nine other brothers from Jacob's four wives are ages 18 to 23. So they're 18 to 23 years old. Reuben's 24. Jacob is 107 at this time. Isaac is 167. So what I want you to think about, Isaac is now 167. Is, think about the relevancy here. He, he made out his will 30 years earlier when he was 137. That's when he prayed over Jacob and Esau and he blessed them. He, he had desired to, remember when he sent out, he sent out uh, Esau to get, get a meal for him and everything. So now he's 167. You don't hear anything much about him. And remember, 30 years earlier, at 137, when he made out his will, he was so blind, he couldn't see which son was which. He had to distinguish them based on the feeling of them. And so you see that, that there was this, uh, uh, this is now 30 years past that date. So when people get old, you're not going to like to hear this, but it is true, their relevancy declines with respect to what's going on in the world. So my father is 91. It used to be in our home and in his business, everything revolved around Mr. Tour. I mean, in his business, everything was Mr. Tour said this, Mr. Tour said that. Everything that, 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 that he spoke from his mouth, I mean, people just, just started moving around and, 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 and there was action based on this. But now at the age of 91, and I just spoke to him this morning, uh, uh, my mother has passed away last year and he, he doesn't have much impact anymore. And when he says things, he doesn't have much impact in this. And I want you to remember that because as relevant as you think you are and uh, you think your business revolves all around you and what's going on revolves all around you, there's going to come a day it doesn't revolve around you anymore. And you better have a relationship with God and a closeness with God. And so you can be extremely relevant that everything revolves around you. And I see this in the university all the time. When I started, there were, there were guys older than me that controlled everything in the department and you know they ruled it with an iron fist and what they said goes. And then they became older and less relevant. And then they had a stroke and they became really irrelevant to the department. And younger people came up. And this is the way life is. Things pass us by. So we hear, even though Isaac is alive at this point, his relevancy becomes very little. 30 years before this, he was already blind. So imagine how he must have been at, at 167. And Jacob at this time is 107. So let's read now the book of Genesis, chapter 37, reading from verse 1. Genesis 37, verse 1. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years old. Of age, Joseph, when he, when he was 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. 
Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a varied colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please, listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we are binding sheaves in... We were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up, stood erect, and behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to, going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had said, he, he, had, he had still another dream and related it to his brothers, and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers, and to his father and, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the sayings in mind. Okay. So, in verse 1, it says, Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. So he's living right there in Hebron next to his father. Verse 2, these are the records of the generations of Jacob. So now what we're going to do is we're going to get 14 chapters, 14 chapters primarily around Joseph. There are 14 chapters in the book of Genesis about Abraham. So Moses gives Joseph, a lot of airtime. Uh, so there's a lot happening here. And so let, let's, let's look at a summary and then we'll begin to look at this more closely. So there's 14 chapters primarily devoted to Joseph, same as to Abraham. Christians view... Uh, hey, Mike, you gotta, you got to mute some folks. Thank you. Christians view Joseph as a type of Messiah. He is never described that way in the New Testament. Mentioned four times, so Joseph is mentioned four times uh, in the book of John, book of Acts, twice with John 4, 5, Acts uh, 9 through 14, Hebrews 11, 21 and 22, and Revelation 7, verse 8. He's never used in the New Testament as a type of Christ. Uh, and and uh, that doesn't mean that he was bad. He was actually very good. He made the, the hall of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And what's interesting about him, so, so what's a type of Christ? A type of Christ is something in the Old Testament that speaks to something about that relates to Jesus. So Moses is what's called a type of Christ. In Hebrews 3, verse 2, it says, He, meaning Jesus, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. So there you see Moses was a type of Christ. The New Testament itself brings those two together. The temple was a type of Christ. Jesus answered and said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then in John 2.21 it says, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. So the temple was a type of Christ. Jonah was a type of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 40, for his Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Uh, and, and manna, manna, the bread, John, the bread from heaven. Jesus relates himself to the bread of life. So he's never used as a type of Christ, 
but he's, he's always displayed well. He's never characterized as a sinner, never having any lapse of faith. That doesn't mean that he never sinned. But as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had lapses of faith, there is never a characterization of anything that, that uh, Joseph does where there is a lapse of faith. Now, this, you see the same thing about Daniel. Daniel never has a lapse of faith. Daniel takes upon himself the sins of the nation when he's repenting on behalf of the nation. But, but uh, uh, Joseph is, is looked at and regarded extremely well in the scriptures. Uh, the tomb of Beni Hassan, Hassan in Egypt uh, shows Semitic chiefs wearing uh, um, the chiefs at colorful robes they had. They should be had. They had colorful robes with long sleeves. So when his father gives him a long robe that's colorful with long sleeves, this is to say his father was considering him as a chief. And we know that from pictures that are shown in this tomb in Egypt that date back to the time of the Semitic chiefs, which, which in fact the patriarchs were. These were Semitic chiefs. And you see that that's what they wore. There's no special revelation given to Joseph. He never sees or hears God. There's never a record of a dream or a vision of God speaking to him or directing him. Unlike the patriarchs before him, unlike Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he never hears or sees God speaking to him. There's no dream, there's no vision. So he proceeds on what he knew of God's words spoken to his forefathers and not on documented revelation. And that's much like us. We don't have God speaking to us generally in the same sense that he spoke to Abraham, God, Isaac, and Jacob. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. But to see these sorts of visions, which are extremely definitive, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen often generally. And, and uh, uh, there was this, this dream and this vision that are recorded uh, uh, with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob, but none with Joseph. So how does Joseph know to, to flow so well that this must have been based on what he knew? The scriptures had not yet been written by Moses because Moses was not yet born. But all of this was orally trans, transmitted, and he knew these things because his father had taught him. He knew his grandfather Isaac, maybe Isaac, even with his blindness, was teaching him. We don't know, but he got this from what he had been instructed, not on a documented revelation much like us in the way, the way we are together. So let me stop sharing the screen and go back to the view there. Okay, so that gives kind of the background. So let's look in, in verse 2. Joseph, when 17 years of age, so this is Genesis 37, verse 2, when he was 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth. So what you see, this guy is super rich, Jacob is super rich. God had blessed him abundantly. And Isaac was super rich. But his sons were tending the flock as shepherds. And this is a good lesson for us that no matter how rich we are, we have to have our children work. We have to have our children working. And I tried to take steps so that it wasn't too easy for my children. I have seen children that have these huge trust funds awaiting them and they know it. So they don't want to work hard. Why work hard if when I'm 21 years old, I'm going to get a $30 million trust fund? Why work hard? And so you can, you can manage. You know, now, I didn't have $30 million to leave to each of my children. But you can manage things such that, that 
your children still have to work. It's good for them to have summer jobs. It's good for them to get their hands dirty. And Joseph was working as a shepherd, which is dirty work, even to this day. You look at shepherds, and they are dirty because just the way they have to live out, outside with the animals, under the stars. And even to this day, and we're going to learn that the Egyptians looked at, at, at shepherds. They couldn't even be near them. They hated them so much. But he had them doing the shepherd's work. Even though he could have had servants do it, he had his sons doing it. So he's out pasturing the flock when he's still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. So it's interesting. He's not with the sons of Leah. Those are the older sons. Remember, they're, they're all 18 to 24 but they're the ones of his other of, of the other wife of Jacob. Now, if you remember, Jacob didn't set out to have four wives. Jacob set out to have Rachel, and that's it. Well, he got snookered by his his uh, his his father-in-law, and and he he swapped out the, the the wives on the wedding night, and he didn't know it. His face was covered. He he slept with the wrong woman, but he didn't just say, "Well, that's the wrong woman. I guess I'm not married." Or no. He recognized that this has significance, and he had to keep her as a wife, and then he, had to, then he got Rachel, who he worked another seven years for, and then they were the ones that told him to sleep with Bilhah and Zilpah. And, and uh, he didn't set out for this, and a lot of times things happen in families. You, you work at trying to get this thing all right, and for no fault of your own, Things happen. This happens in life. So I don't judge people in their marriages because things happen. And I just want them to walk as best they can in the things of God. And God has directions for people. I mean, if a wife is in an abusive relationship, I mean, the New Testament gives options for it. It says you don't leave your husband. But if you do leave, you remain unmarried. And, and you pray for reconciliation. It gives direction. And uh, it tells husbands, don't divorce your wives. Why does it say wives don't leave your husbands, husbands don't divorce your wives? Because wives could not divorce their husbands in Israel. Uh, uh, and I think it was even until just recent times that in Israel a wife could divorce a husband. A husband, uh, a, a husband can divorce, could divorce a wife, wife not a husband. So, so he gives us direction on how to live, but some things happen to us in life that we never really planned on. And it says, and Joseph... And so he's out with Bilhah and Zilpah's sons. So each of them had two sons. So if you look back in chapter 35, it says in, in verse 25, And the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maid, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maid, were Gad and Asher. So he's with Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, those four other brothers, half-brothers of his. And, he's, and, and they do something wrong. They do something bad, and he brings out a bad report. And you say, well, he's a tattletale. The scriptures never characterize this as wrong. If somebody does something wrong, it is not bad to report them. Now, these were bad young people. They were not just, oh, well, young kids feeling the ropes and doing... These were, these were super bad people because we're going to learn in this same chapter, at this same time, those, those uh, uh, 10 of those brothers... Ten of those brothers are going to plan the murder of Joseph. They are going to plan on murdering him, but then they decided to just throw him in a cistern, in a, in a, in a, in a cistern, and just let him starve to death. And then they said, "Well, let's just make money on him, off of him, and sell him into slavery." I have met a lot of people in life. I did met 
prison ministry for 10 years in a maximum security prison every Monday night. I was in a prison for 10 years doing ma- in, in the same maximum security prison for 10 years. I have never met anyone that I know of that planned the death of their younger brother. I've never, never had. These are not normal, just rambunctious young people. These 10 brothers, now remember at this time, Benjamin's just 11, so he's much younger. He's not among them. But these 10 brothers are really, really super wicked. They plan the death of their youngest brother. Now, Reuben's going to intercede for them, so at least nine of them are really bad. But Reuben's not that great either because it was just before this that Reuben ends up sleeping with his father's wife, with one of his father's uh, concubines. Again, and, and that's going to destroy his life in the long run as far as the blessing. So these are not good guys. I mean, how many people do you know sleep with their father's wife? These are not good guys. So for them, for him to have brought back a bad report, it wasn't like, well, they they didn't trim the sheep's wool really well. No, it was probably they did something really bad. He had had two other brothers go and kill every man in the city of Shechem. Every man. These are a bunch of murderers. So he's bringing back really serious reports about these folks. Verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a very colored tunic. Now, some people say you should never love your children with different amounts of love. Well, I'll tell you, if you have have 12 children, one of them has slept with your wife, Two of them have murdered an entire city and nine of them have planned the death of their younger brother and tried to carry it out. You're going to really, you know, you're going to think twice about loving them as much as you're going to love the one who really looks after you and takes care of you and honors you. So it's not like he just randomly chose, well, which one am I going to really love? Ah, you. Okay, Joseph, I think I love you. No, no. There was good reason for this. There was good reason that he favored Joseph over these other ones. These other ones were really bad. Think of the worst kids in your neighborhood growing up. The really bad kids that got in a lot of trouble that when they became teenagers, they became, they, they got into really bad stuff and they ended up in prison. These guys are worse than them. Now, you know, you say, uh, but still to love them more, I'll tell you, I mean, they gave their father a terrible time. He had to flee Shechem because of them. Now, what if if somebody said, well, do some kids love one parent more than another? Happens all the time. It's like that in my home. It is. My wife is more loved by my kids than I am. And you say, no, 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 that's not true. I have heard their discussions. They were one day having a discussion among them about if one parent had to die, which one should die? And... They didn't want, if dad died, it wouldn't be good. But if mom died, it'd be terrible, terrible. She is the one that they love more. And I understand this because she's the good cop. She's really the good cop. Any, anything that happens, anything they do, they could say, I burned down a building today. She would say, oh, well, okay, whatever you do, do hardly unto the Lord. I mean, she just loves them for anything. And I would say, what'd you burn down the building for? That was a dumb thing to do. And so I will confront them. I'm the bad cop. She's a good cop, and so they love her more. So you understand that sometimes kids love one parent more than another. It happens with parents too. If you were to have 
rebellious kids like this, what are you going to do? You're going to love the one that, that's not like this. Joseph is a good, upstanding guy. He's an amazing guy. And, and uh, um, so it, it says, it says that, that uh, um, in verse, and so his father made him a very colored tunic. Actually, the color does, comes from, from, from the Latin Vulgate. Actually, the Hebrew doesn't say it was very, co- very colored. It just said that it had long sleeves. It was a long cloak with long sleeves. And that's exactly what we saw in that Bene Hassan tomb, that, they, that the Semitic chiefs had long coats with long sleeves. And, and uh, uh, they did happen to have many colors. Now, here it doesn't say many colors. This is something that was, that was transcribed in. But in any case, it was a very select cloak. And what this meant is that Joseph had transferred the birthright from Reuben because Reuben had slept with, with Bilhah. He took it away from Reuben because of that act and he had given it to Joseph. None of the other brothers, they weren't good guys. He had already assigned the birthright to Joseph. At the age of 17, Joseph had the birthright. What did that mean? That meant that upon Jacob's death, Joseph would get two-thirds of the proceeds and the other one-third would be divided up among the other children. That's what it meant. You got a two-thirds blessing. You got a double blessing. And so he was already put in that position of having the birthright. So he should report on them. It's his job. It is, you, you, you take any course in ethics. It is the job for the person in charge to report to the higher ups when somebody has been doing something that's wrong. This is the right thing to do. And it says in verse four, his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. Well, duh, what do you think? I mean, when you're a bunch of murderers, and a bunch of adulterers, you know, it's going to be hard to love you a lot. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. So they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Uh, this is what it was. Now, where did they get this? It didn't just happen all of a sudden because he told on them. It didn't happen just because of this. There's things going on in that home. There's conflict in the home. I want you to look back in Genesis chapter 30. Let's look at the conflict between his wives. If you look in the scriptures, every time, every time there was more than one wife in the home, there was trouble. There was trouble. There was trouble in the home. Every time. So you say, well, in the Old Testament, they were allowed to have more than one wife. Yes, they were. God allowed it. But it was trouble, always trouble. Verse thir- ch- chapter 30 of Genesis, verse 1. Now Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children. She became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. She became jealous of her sister. So she says to her husband, you give me children or else I die. And her husband is like, uh, you know, There's no OBGYNs we can go to yet. I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, And and, and so you see this friction coming in the home. Verse 3, she said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees, that through her I too may have children. Huh? I mean, Jacob didn't look for this. Jacob didn't look to have Leah. He just wanted to have his one wife. And he ended up with two, and they ended up, bam, just butt. Butting and, and just, just 
conflicting with one another. And then she tells him, you take my servant Bill. It's not like he wanted it. And she is ordering him around on who to have relations with. You think this is a good environment in a home? And so look, look at, at verse 8 of chapter 30 of Genesis. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestling, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. I mean, look at how it's characterized. I am vying with my sister. I'm wrestling with my sister. This is not good for kids to grow up with. I remember that, that uh, once when, we, when Shereen and I went to see a counselor, and, and yeah, we've, we've been to counselors. You got a problem with that? I mean, we have been to counselors in our marriage and, and uh, uh, several different counselors over, over probably the first, first 15 years of our marriage. We've been married 38 years now, and they helped us a lot. And whenever we would go into them, I would say, and, and the only reason they varied is that, is that we were moving across the country at the time. She, she, was, she was with a wandering Jew, and we just, we just moved a lot. And we would go into this, this council, and I would say, whatever you tell me, I will do. And, and they would say, you know, if you come in with that attitude, this shouldn't take long at all. And it didn't. Within four, six weeks, I mean, we were good to go. It was like having a tune-up. We were good to go, and it, and, and, and it helped us. But one of the things a counselor once told me, they said, when, when your children see friction between you and your wife, it is like us seeing friction between Jesus and his father. Imagine what that would do to your theology. I mean, that would be, that, that's incomprehensible that Jesus and his father would ever have any discord. But he says, that's what it's like when your children see discord with your wife. You want to know my, why, why my wife is as stable as she is? She's amazingly stable. She never saw her parents argue. I'm like, how, how could you have never seen your parents argue? She says, I never saw them argue. Now, they probably did argue, but they, it was never in front of the children. She never saw her parents argue. And my wife is just rock stable. I mean, I, my, my moods are just sinusoidal like this within huge amplitude. My wife's are sinusoidal like this. Just a tiny little amp, amplitude. So between her highs and her lows, I mean, she's just, just the same. And, and uh, um, she never saw this. So imagine what's going on in this home with these women going at it like this. Now look in verse 15 of chapter 30. But she said to her, it is a small matter. Is it a small matter for you to take my husband and you would take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. Whoa. So, so uh, 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 Leah's son finds mandrakes. Rachel wants the mandrakes. It's a little fruit. And, and Leah said, what? You, you've taken my husband and now you're going to take my son's mandrakes? She says, okay, I'll tell you what. You give me the mandrakes, then I'll tell him to sleep with you tonight. So Jacob's coming in from the field the next day, verse 16. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him. You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. I mean, imagine the conflict going on. Now, so... These kids are growing up in a home where these women are just going at it. That's why when we get over to this chapter 37, 
these are not good and healthy children. They haven't grown up in a healthy home. And so they, there's this, all this hatred between the groups of brothers. So you had, you, you had Jacob, uh, uh, so you had Joseph and Benjamin from, from Rachel, and then you had, you had these six brothers from, from uh, Leah, and then you had two from each of the, the other concubines. And so they're always playing sides, one off the other. So it makes sense that there would be this sort of mess. I mean, there's a lot of problems here going, in, uh, going on in their homes where the children couldn't even speak on friendly terms to one another. So I know we're out of time here. I mean, I was just getting started. I mean, this is amazing. But so, so what we've seen is, if you need help in your marriage, if you need help, get it. I mean, we just listened to, in, in our church service. We just listened to a service. Roger said you could go on our website under Discover and Helps. We have partnered with different ministries where through the church, you can get free marriage counseling. Free. It is free. And, and uh, uh, you can get some help. And the reason I tell people that, that I have gone through marriage counseling is because Shireen and I have a great marriage. Divorce for us was never an option. It wasn't like we went in there on the verge of divorce. Never. It was never an option because I knew what the Bible said. The Bible forbade divorce. It, Jesus said... God only allowed it because of the hardness of your heart. We, we never went in there with that intent. We just needed a tune-up. Just because my, my car needs an oil change, I don't get rid of the car. I mean, you, you, just, you just need a tune-up sometimes. And, uh, uh, and so I'm very open in telling people we have been through this. So if you're going through this, you're not alone. And you get help. And there's help out there for you. And so now in my marriage, I mean, we haven't been to a, to a counselor in... I don't know, more than 15 years because, because she doesn't need it anymore. No, just joking. I mean, um, so, so we just haven't needed it. And, 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 uh, um, and I love being with my wife. And I am so glad that I didn't just, just bow to this pressure of the world where the world will say, well, if you're not getting along well, just get another wife. I mean, it just it brings troubles. If you need help, get it. If you don't know the Lord, it, it starts like this. You have to first know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, it is just really hard. If you are married to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, you're married. And the Bible says that, that, that you live together. You've got to make this thing work. You make it work. And pray that they get to know the Lord. And, and, and I pray that everyone here get, knows the Lord. That's the first thing. And the next thing is to walk in obedience to His Word. If you get that wrong, you can know the Lord and not walk in obedience to his word. You're going to miss out on so much. You're going to miss out on so much because the Bible tells us why was divorce never for us an option when the government makes it a very easy option. No fault divorce, whatever you want, you, you, you know, you, you can get it. Because the word of God took that out as an option in obedience to the word of God. I urge you. And this is why I love speaking to young people because, because a lot of times you haven't screwed up your life much at this age. And so, so you know, I, I can get you before it really messes up. And, uh, you know, if I say this in just a general church service, it brings all this condemnation. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not judging anybody. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to save and preserve the marriages that are here, that are existing. You walk in accordance to the ways of God. 
you walk in obedience and sometimes it takes prayer, it takes a lot of work, you go to counselors, you deal with certain issues and, uh, and, and have these discussions before counselors and counselors see these sort of things. And I suggest going to Christian counselors because if they don't know the Lord, they don't understand the context that, that you two have together. And you get these things worked out. If you don't know the Lord, what I am offering you today, if you do not know the Lord, is that, is that uh, um, and I mean having a real relationship with Jesus Christ, you send me an email to tura at rice.edu and I will set up a private Zoom conversation to you and you end up walking with the Lord. You will. You get saved. You'll get saved. If you take the initiation to contact me, so that I can tell you about the Lord. That tells me and tells the Lord you're serious. You want to get saved. You'll get saved. No problem. You'll get saved. It'll take 30 minutes and it'll be a done deal. That's where it starts. You first get saved because without that, you have no ability to walk in obedience to the word of God. You can try, but it's not going to work very well. Then once you get that, you start walking in obedience to the word of God. Then you start walking in belief of it. And we're going to close with this verse. This is in Hebrews. Uh, in, in, uh, we're going to close with a verse in Hebrews chapter 4, reading from verse 2. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 says this. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So in other words, you can hear the word of God, but it will be of no profit to you if it is not united by faith. So it says there's a group of people who heard the preaching. Just like you heard, other people heard it. You had faith, they didn't. You profited, they didn't. Whatever we hear from the word of God, we must have faith and believe it. Lord, your word will come true. Every word written in this book is true and it will come true. It is all true, every bit of it. We must believe this word. And as we believe this word and take hold of it, then the transformation changes. If we don't believe it, if it is not united by faith, it's of no profit. So what I'm saying is you get saved and then you take hold of the word of God and you believe it and it will be of profit to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the truth of the word of God. And Father, I thank you that we have seen the trouble that comes upon children in a home where there's so much conflict going on. Father, I pray for peace in the marriages of these young people and these young marriages represented here, peace in their marriages, Lord, that the children can grow up having a sense of peace and security. Lord, I pray for these homes. Father, the peace of God come. And Lord, I pray for these parents that they would take up the word of God and unite it by faith so that it may bring profit into their home. And Lord, I ask for those who here who are not saved, that they would seek me out and that I would be able to share the word of God with them and that they would get saved so that the word of God could have profit in their lives. 
Father, I pray for their salvation. That this very day, they would seek me out so that they could be saved. And Father, I pray here for those who are saved. Let them take the word of God and walk with it. And Father, for the struggling marriages, Lord, that hurts so much. When a marriage isn't going well, there is so much happening in a person's life. Father, I pray for those marriages that they would walk according to your word and not forsake their marriages, but they would take hold and choose counseling and choose to walk according to the ways of God, that you would change the hearts and bring peace in the home. Lord, peace in the home, I pray. And Lord, I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.